electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Coming off of that Tuesday bounce, uh, best rally in a couple of weeks. Uh, futures are fairly steady as the market watches a host of Omicron-related headlines. Final Q3 GDP up 2-3. That's a couple tenths better than expected. And core PCE does moderate from this summer's generational highs. Our roadmap begins with that volatility pause, a roller coaster start to this Christmas week of trading with COVID and Omicron fears obviously front and center. Plus, we will have more from my exclusive interview with Bob Iger. That's about negotiations with Rupert Murdoch and what that deal meant for today's media landscape. And Elon Musk hits back at Senator Warren again, saying she hasn't paid taxes at all. Carl. All right, guys, uh, let's get to work uh, sort of dissecting all the Omicron-related headlines, Jim. Some of them constructive, uh, including some of the modeling we're seeing out of South Africa. Dr. Gottlieb talked about that today. And some of them a bit concerning as we continue to see corporates uh, try to rein in uh, at least some return to work. Just uh, broad confusion. Uh, let's add in what happens after you are finished, finished with your course of COVID, as I am. Uh, where I tested uh, negative this morning. When can I go back to work? Uh, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Gottlieb said five days. FDA, uh, curiously silent. I think that uh, the Omicron optimism comes from the idea that it can sweep right through the country. I had Dr. Mino on last night, who was a guy that I listened to from Harvard, who's got a, a startup that he, that he knows more about this kind of thing than anyone. And he's just saying, you know, that, that could be pie in the sky. I mean, who knows? David, I mean, I think the idea that anything can be said about these illnesses uh, makes me very less certain, which means that we need an antiviral and we need it now. Yeah, uh, and we're still waiting for the FDA. Uh, I've gotten a firsthand look at uh, bureaucracy in motion there because there had been expectations to your point that we would get them. And Jim, we talked about it on Monday that we'd get an approval from the FDA for both, uh, both the antivirals, the oral antivirals that we expect to still have available prior to the end of the year with some at least, uh, some availability, uh, certainly for Molnupiravir more than Paxlovid uh, in this last week or so, but we're still waiting from the FDA. But Jim, you know, what's interesting as well as your point, right? You've tested negative now. Um, and there is this growing chorus, at least, that we're starting to hear uh, people saying, well, maybe 10 days is too much. Uh, Ed Bastian from Delta Airlines saying, you know, uh, 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 give us, make it five days, uh, you know, facing potential pilot shortages. We know as well healthcare workers, concerns in hospitals and the like. Uh, that's where we could be seeing a significant impact in, in certain areas of the economy where we need people. Uh, there's the Delta uh, CEO saying, you know, 10 days is, is an awful lot. It's going to impact our workforce and operations. Um, and Jim, it gets back to this idea that if we're going to be living with this to some extent, and if you are fully vaccinated with three shots, perhaps you should be able to get back out there a bit sooner 
certainly if you're only going to be around people who also are fully vaccinated. Well, what kind of cockamamie country do we have that, well, it's the Delta CEO that's the leader? I mean, you know, we are a great nation. Uh, and there should be more than just people just saying, grabbing a mic and talking. David, if you're a healthcare worker and you have to be out 10 days, uh, and we have a wave of Omicron that goes to the unvaccinated. I mean, they don't want to be called unvaccinated. They get mad about that. How about to the um, sainted? You want to saint them? I thought the president was pretty strong about this. But the thing that really bothers me, David, is, is that if it's 10 days for the healthcare workers, then what happens when the hospitals overflow? Where, what, what goes on? I mean, it's obvious we'll see a lot of chaos. And then maybe the FDA will address it. David, I got to ask you a question. Doesn't the FDA feel like the Politburo? You really never knew who was calling the shots in the old Soviet Union. Well, we are dealing with a lot of different, uh, as you know, different agencies. I mean, you've called out the CDC any number of times. It's been almost two years now. Oh, they're uh, great. Just, you know, yeah, the um, only time the CDC was important was in Walking Dead season two. Um, but when it comes to the FDA here, my understanding is, you know, it's just about a matter of signatures potentially to finally get the approvals. Uh, for uh, Molnupiravir and Paxlovid. And we need them. You know, Jim, we need them. Carl, we need them now, uh, given the rising caseloads of Omicron. Uh, and certainly for those who refuse to take vaccines, but perhaps would be willing to take oral antivirals, that would vastly reduce the chances that uh, those people would be hospitalized or die. Yeah, so we've got um, regulatory red tape on the antivirals. Obviously, need a lot more data on quarantine. I see the U.K. is moving toward a seven-day quarantine, Jim. But to your larger point, uh, Dr. Gottlieb said five days is certainly worth looking at, at least for healthcare workers. This remarkable substack, Jim, out of uh, Eric Topol uh, today, saying our administration continues to take a reactive stance, seemingly incapable of aggressive, bold initiatives that are under their control. And as for testing, uh, Dr. Gottlieb said there's no excuse uh, for the lack of at-home testing testing that's free in this country. Here's what he said. We should have been doing this all along. We should have been trying to get more at-home tests available and giving them away to consumers in, in drugstores, you know, allowing consumers to come into a drugstore, buy maybe four tests for $5, some, some small um, price, and limiting the number of sales that they can get, but making sure they got into the hands of consumers. That's what other countries are doing. They're subsidizing the test directly, allowing people to buy a certain allotment when they come into pharmacies. Yeah, really no excuse for it, Jim. Well, that sounds a lot like what you've been saying for a no. while. Yeah, uh, where are the 500 million tests going to come from? Uh, Binax, uh, which is the one I take every day, which is Abbott, Binax now, uh, they're hard to find. I mean, we went and got them. Yeah, you have to get them from kind of uh, stealth sites. None of the drugstores have them around here. So uh, I just think that the president must be dreaming. Where do you come up with a 500 million number? Now, uh, Dr. Topol, I had him on the other day. He said that the moment we have the Pfizer data, he says that's a very easy drug to make. So the defense, uh, he's saying that the Defense Production Act, that they, the government should immediately go to Pfizer and say, listen, we need 10 drug companies to make this pill. It's not a hard pill to make. And we have to have 90 million of them right now, not 200,000. But again, you know, who, who's calling the shots here? I mean, if Dr. Topol were listened to, then when we hear the news today about Pfizer, we could have this drug in our hands in a couple of weeks. But that's not the way our country works, Carl. I mean, I, I find that yesterday the president's speech, while, while um, very forceful, left me to think, OK, has he lined up the 500 million? Like, why not tell us where they're coming from? Because I don't see uh, in the pipeline anything, unless we go to China. 
There are a lot of ones we can buy in China, but is that what we want in this country? Chinese tests? I don't know. Uh, I'd say no. Um, you need testing. Yeah, it's, uh, you need, it's all- yeah, you need testing for uh, the antivirals, too, by the way. I mean, it's a key. You can't. They're not going to be effective because you've got to use them very well, early on. Do you have on, some tests? Very early how many tests do you have in your house? Uh, like three David, or four, David, how many tests do you have in your Maybe house right now? Maybe four or five. I got some, but some of them you got to mail in. So that's, you know, they're not the, not yeah. the, not the Binax. I got the 40 pack. We got the Binax. A few yeah, handful of Binax. Pack, we, uh, we're, Binax. Yeah, we're like, you know, you've got to conserve them only for when absolutely necessary. Yeah I, yeah. I have a handful of Binax and just in a few handfuls more. It is really incredible, Carl, that we are in this situation where they created a system where you could get insurance rebates on tests. And at the stock exchange, there's lines around the block to get tested. And then we hear that there might be testing in New York. This is doesn't this remind you, Carl, of like, say, like, I don't know about March of 2020. Well, actually, that that doesn't doesn't remind me of March of 2020 at all, Um, especially given the fact that the UK is not going to lock down before Christmas. Uh, Testing wise, there's lines. There's clearly lines. Uh, But as the president said, this isn't March of 2020. Broadway's not shutting down. CES is going forward. You got 200 million vaccinated. Um, I I, I think those comparisons might be a bit harsh. Oh, I, I just meant on, on testing. I mean, we're just nowhere on testing as we were then. Uh, everything else is great. I think that we're much better. No lockdown, anything like that. It's just that my experience is, is that you've got to be able to stop this thing. I mean, I think that we have hidden how many out, well, has not gathered, how many outbreaks there are. And uh, otherwise, yes, we're much better off. And, uh, you know, like th- everything's open, but. It would really be helpful to know who's healthy and who's not. And uh, David, you and I were going back and forth about an outbreak in a building. And, you know, remember, these are, uh, David, it is very difficult to contain if you don't test. However, it's great that we're open. I think we should be open. It's just that I would like to know who should stay home. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're right. Um, Although, well, particularly at this time of year, you're not going to see a lot of people going to the office. And, of course, it's... As we've seen, many companies are pushing back their return to office plans. So many had been planned for, let's call it, early in the new year. Unclear how that's going to play out. Um, but, yeah, Jim, there are this is incredibly transmissible. We know many people are getting it. Thankfully, very few of them, if they have three shots in them, are getting uh, particularly sick. I mean, right. look at the two of you. Right. Thankfully. Uh, so right. that's where we stand right now. The other question, I think, I mean, Carl, is, you know, uh, people are looking at the South African data. It went straight up and the caseloads are starting to come straight down. So there is a hope, perhaps, that as uh, severe as as this has been in terms of transmission, it will also be very quick. And perhaps there will be a return to some sense. I wouldn't call it normalcy, but at least where we were prior to the onset of Omicron. Yeah, you'd certainly expect to have a a much broader base of some immunity, Jim. Um, AP's got a good headline that uh, the noticeable drop in South Africa uh, may signal that it's peaked. And if if that's true, then you'd be looking at a surge that lasted maybe half of the duration of Delta's uh, with clearly higher case numbers. But some of these charts, Jim, out of out of the UK, I mean, the 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 broken uh, ratio of cases to hospitalizations is one of the most encouraging charts we have to go on right now. 
Yeah, well, look, there's a lot of encouraging things. The one that I think is going to be most encouraging, and Dr. Topol hinted this when he came on Mad Money, is when is the uh, vaccine worse than the actual illness? For instance, I was laid uh, to, I, I was just knocked out by my, th- my third Moderna. I missed a whole weekend of my life. Uh, I was only hurting really badly one day from Omicron. At a certain point, you got to say to yourself, wow, I mean, if Omicron is not as threatening as the shot itself, then we're getting back to work. And if this thing becomes the dominant strain, then by, I don't know what uh, Dr. Gottlieb said, but I mean, look, by February, we could be back in town. It's just that we got to see what the wave is like, Carl, when we get to the south, where the, there's so much anti-vaccine. Yeah, of course, all of this big implications for the economy and for the stock market. Remarkable uh, episode of Mad Money last night where Jim talked about uh, maybe the impl- possibility of a decline in early early January. We'll talk about that. Take a look at futures. In the meantime, bunch of calls today on William Sonoma, Darden, Cat, Apple, Coinbase, as well as news out of uh, AWS, Tesla, and a lot more. We'll take a break and be back in a moment. Don't go away. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. You know, guys, when you sit down for an hour and 10 minute interview with uh, Bob Iger, there is plenty to share. We did share a great deal of it yesterday. And by the way, we will be making the entire interview available, uh, we hope, fairly soon. Still putting things together uh, for that. But uh, did want to share a bit more because, of course, when Iger took over in 05, you know, the power of the platforms we talk about so often on this program, well, it was nowhere near what it is today, whether it's Apple or Amazon or Meta uh, or Alphabet. Uh, But that was one of the reasons why, at least Iger said, he considered and did that deal to acquire Fox. And one reason why Rupert Murdoch, the man who built Fox, was willing to sell. I think what, what we're seeing today in terms of the scale of those companies in the media space, which probably shouldn't surprise us, um, but the enormity of it all is still just mind boggling. Um, and look, I, I wouldn't have predicted that, except I will say that when we did the Fox deal, uh, it was all through the lens of needing scale 
to achieve success on, in the direct-to-consumer digital platform space. None of it was viewed as a, basically a traditional media play. Uh, we knew that we'd be running the businesses we were buying uh, on traditional um, platforms with traditional business models. But in terms of the value creation, it was all tied to the growth of digital platforms direct-to-consumer yeah. globally. Was it more about money with Rupert and less about legacy of the acquired properties? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if you say money per se, but Economics. Rupert was intrigued. Rupert was very focused on the scale that was necessary to be successful as a media company in a new world, particularly with the um, incursion, or uh, if you want to call it that, of the tech companies getting into the media space. And he had genuine concerns about how his company was positioned in that marketplace and thought that his shareholders, and he, including his family, would be better off and, and combined right. than, um, than going it alone. Yeah. I think he was looking for top dollar. Um, uh, in many respects, he got it. Do you feel like that's been a successful deal? Um, you did pay a high price. It was a high multiple for those assets. Obviously, then we ran into COVID and so many different issues. But yeah. sitting back now, are you happy that you paid that price? Yes, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. First of all, um, we divested certain assets, including the 39% stake in Sky, which went for a very high price. Thanks to my parent company. And so we reduced. In fact, you were the one who told me at some point. Well, that was you. You made the call and told me they had pulled you, out of their won, pursuit of Fox. Right. Yes. That you'd won. For yes. Us, which yeah. only signaled to me that they, they would be even more aggressive about buying the controlling stake in Sky. Right. Um, so we reduced the size of the acquisition by a significant amount, more than we ever expected, and we also sold off the. Um, the RSNs or the, the regional sports It was a network. good sale, by the way. <laughs> well, it was a good sale. We, at the time, we were a little bit disappointed in the price because it was a little bit lower than we had hoped. But looking back and seeing what we now see, our timing was propitious, I guess yes. you'd say. So when you look at that, I think, first of all, you have to reduce the size of the purchase significantly. But then you look at the assets that we got and you look at today's world and the need to, to go back to the question you almost you asked me almost at the beginning, do we have the scale and the diversity of content right. to, to uh, attract a diverse subscription base or audience? Without the Fox assets, we wouldn't have that. Of course, Jim, we talked a lot uh, yesterday about that incredible track record of getting these founders to sell them as companies, whether it was Steve Jobs at Pixar, Ike Pullmutter, uh, at Marvel, uh, George Lucas, of course, as well, and Rupert Murdoch. But uh, the Fox deal was by far the largest that Iger ever uh, undertook. And, you know, it's up to his successor, Bob Chapek, now to make it all really work. But as he pointed out, there are a lot of assets sold that did reduce the overall ticket price. Well, first, I want to salute Christine McCarthy, who uh, just extended her contract to July of uh, to 2024, which is mm -hmm. really good news. I'm sorry, June 30th. Uh, the reason why that's important is because she's steady him. David, one of the things that I wish that Iger had talked about, and this interview has been incredible, but do you think that deal could be done now with this, this amount, these people in Washington? No, no. Uh, it's hard to imagine a, a, a deal of any si significant size in an industry like that uh, with the scrutiny it typically gets could get done. I mean, yesterday, for example, uh, we shared when, when he talked about the idea that if Steve Jobs had lived, they would have had conversations about Apple and Disney getting together. And in fact, Bob said he thinks it would have probably. Uh, you can't imagine something like that in this current environment uh, ever being 
contemplated, let alone getting to the finish line, Jim, unless there's a willingness on the part of companies to go to court against the U.S. government. And, you know, in 2022, we may start to see that because there are certain companies when it comes to M&A that are going to want to pursue things. Uh, and they're being told right now, all right, if you want to do it, expect you're going to have to go to court. You probably or could win, but it's going to take a while. Well, look, I, I don't understand why, where Chapek and companies not just calling, again, my usual uh, Jensen Wong at NVIDIA, because this is all about metaverse. And I really feel like that Facebook's got the, well, now meta platforms, they got the jump. They understand it. Obviously, the things, the uh, avatars that, uh, that Jensen Wong's talking about, it You've got to be in that. And then, David, you know what? I also like sports and gambling. And that's another thing they're not doing. I think the status quo at Disney is starting to upset people, David. And that's one of the reasons why it's still 150. It seems done for now. And you know that you've got to take those assets and put them online. You have to get those assets and make them into a world that you and I can visit without having to go to Disneyland. David. Well, we're going to find out. I know Encanto premieres Friday, Book of Boba Fett on next Wednesday. Uh, there's going to be a slew of premieres in the next week or so. Let's take a quick, quick, quick break here. Take a look at futures on this uh, Wednesday morning. A lot to get to, including uh, the wave of uh, headlines regarding Omicron and the implications for stocks. Futures moderately red. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Asia fared fairly well uh, overnight uh, on the heels of our rally here in the States. But some uh, deck at the downgrade of BABA yesterday out of Atlantic Equities. There's some uh, continued uh, worrisome headlines regarding BABA and its cloud unit today out of Bloomberg with that bunch of the names that are in China Tech leading the NDX lower this morning. We'll get the opening bell in just a few moments. All right, welcome back. Usually I can't uh, get Jim to stop talking about stocks when we sit in our office on three at the NYSE. You're always looking at the tape, endlessly talking stocks. Meanwhile, for this mad dash, you don't want to talk about a stock. You want to talk about vaccines. Right. I want to just be a little bit hopeful here. Uh, we do have a Christmas rally going on. David, uh, I don't usually read Defense One magazine, but if you did, you would see a story today in <laughs> Science and Tech. U.S. Army creates single vaccine against all COVID and SARS variants, researchers say. This is literally Walter Reed Army Institute of Research about to start trials on a vaccine that works on everything. On every, they even think other strains to come. So, David, if you want something to be, uh, it'd be to cheer, it could be the U.S. Army and what they're doing. Uh, this would be rather remarkable. 
Uh, and boy, who wouldn't want to be in that trial? Yeah, uh, a number of people have noted that story this morning, Jim. Don't know whether it will have a broader impact and don't have a lot right. of details in terms of where they are in these trials, who actually developed this. But uh, to your point, right. something that would act right. against any coming variant would be quite helpful. Right. And then, you know, so you get the Pfizer news. David, what time is the Pfizer news scheduled? <laughs> Maybe later today. What time's the Politburo release? <laughs> maybe, When's the Politburo release? Maybe they'll re- get the signatures later today, or maybe it'll be tomorrow morning. I don't know. I've given up. Given up on that well, one. But, but yeah. David, are they? I mean, who are? Who is the FDA? I mean, remember the FDA was really incredibly organized and really knew what it was doing. I mean, when Peggy Hamburg ran it, mm. it was like wow, clockwork. I mean, now it's kind of this great source of mystery. You know, <laughs> FDA. <laughs> it's not. You know, I, I, it's like the it's like the UBS evidence lab. Yeah, there have been some questionable but without things that there. Rigor. Um, not to mention that Biogen drug. Why they approve that, for example. But anyway, that, oh, well, that I, I, was, that's neither it, here you know, nor there. You see all the... Yeah, but governments around the world are vetoing it. Biogen is in trouble. But it, that was, again, David, all the, the people on the panel all voted against it. Who is the FDA? I mean, I would prefer, say, the people at Box to run the country, Paul. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Reuters guys uh, with a headline that France has canceled its order for the Merck antiviral uh, hopes to receive instead the Pfizer drug before the end of January. Uh, we'll see what that means uh, for the prospects of Molnupiravir. In the meantime, let's get the opening bell here, uh, get this Wednesday morning started and watch some uh, breath fill in. Jim, I know talking about levels last night, you were watching the COT data. Um, looking at trader positioning, wondering how long that can last, and then also looking at trend lines. And it sounded like you were sort of conditioning viewers maybe to be on the lookout for a 10, 14 percent correction early next year. Well, I think we can spike here. And then uh, one of my favorite uh, commodity analysts, uh, Carly Garner, really said, look, this is just an unsustainable advance from the bottom uh, in 2020. There's never been anything like it. I, I just want people to understand that we're, we're in rarefied territory. We've been going up and up and up. And Garner's work just said basically that has not historically been uh, sustainable. And look, I, I believe in the Santa rally, but then my crystal ball does get clouded. Uh, if we got, say, the Pfizer pill and we got Walter Reed, then we can have we can take all the rate. We can take some rate increases. But on the other side, Carl, I mean, I think that we are a, a little bit um, glib about what could happen with Omicron. Dr. Topol saying if you're not vaccinated, it's the equivalent of just to really go back to the old days. It's just going to be another really bad COVID. I do like the fact that the cyclicals are running. I don't understand why uh, big cap tech, which is lettuce, uh, has not been that terrific. You mentioned Amazon. I mean, an outage at AWS. I mean, isn't Amazon the gold standard? I think it there is. There is some uh, apparently Ooh, some power course. issues, uh, David, for um, for users of AWS, at least on the East Coast. But certainly not the first time we've seen problems, uh, interruptions in the cloud last couple of weeks. No, there there was one, as you no. point out, only very recently. Jim, I think Oracle used it to their advantage to say we never go down. Right. Their cloud. Right. Uh, David, why, is, why does everyone hate the Oracle deal? I mean, I got to tell you, Oracle needed the growth. It is accretive. I, I, I just really believe in Ellison and Katz. They don't make acquisitions unless they've really got a game plan. Oracle had a great quarter, too. I don't know. I, 
forgive me for being so bullish about Larry Ellison, but if you look at that chart, it, it isn't like that they're chumps there. They're some of the smartest people in the world. And Cerner is very good. It's a great company when it comes to medical records. Medical records matters. It's not been digitized. So Oracle has a chance to digitize healthcare, David. Healthcare is like the last holdout from being um, in the cloud and, and being digitized. So I am pro this deal. Uh, try to get Safra on and not having as much luck as you might. Maybe you give her a call. No, yeah, no. Uh, last time I talked to her, I think it was around the PeopleSoft deal. So I think you've got better, a better chance than I do because that was a long time ago. Well, um, maybe the FDA can, maybe the FDA can uh, use their services and, you know, it can help. Maybe they can kind of sign off on things a little more, more quickly uh, if they digitize over there. The FDA's got that level of clarity. Of highly. How about, remember, David, the um, NIH, Dr. Fauci comes on. I mean, he's like, you know, he's in charge of media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay. He's, he's the media guy. He's- um, come on. I mean, really, it's uh, FDA, CDC, NIH. I don't know. Whatever you said. I don't know either. David, it's I, never been this dysfunctional. Yeah. I've never seen it like this. And well, meanwhile, David, how many days have we been saying they're going to have the pill? And now I was like, oh, we don't have the pill yet. But we, we fast-tracked that Biogen $56,000 drug that I can tell you from my work with the Brain Foundation doesn't work. $56,000 doesn't work. Well, I think it gives you a day that you they, don't have Alzheimer's. They did. You're on I mean, the old price. Crazy. Didn't, didn't they significantly cut the price? That was the news earlier this week, right? On yeah, well, no one's they, using they cut it. the price. I mean, um, it gives you like four hours less of Alzheimer's, like three, three and a half hours less. I, you know what, yes. Carl? I, I think maybe he needs to get out of quarantine. Um, I'm starting to feel that. I don't know about you. I think I'm so. ready. Yeah. I think so, Jim. I almost want to, say, I want to, to walk outside, but, you know, Twitter's vicious. This dysfunctional, Jim. Yeah. I, I, I know we all have short memories, but I, I remember 2020. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I know. You're saying, you're, yeah. Well, you're, you're, I just. Mm, okay. I, I, look, I don't like the testing situation. I want no lock, lockdown. I think it's great that everybody walks around. I am in the assume the risk camp that you have to expect that you could get COVID. Uh, if it is uh, this Omicron and you've been vaccinated, well, um, again, I was sicker than when I, when I took the Moderna. I got much more sick than when I took the Omicron. So I don't know. And maybe I'm super immunized. Maybe I can come there and give David a hug and nothing would happen. Maybe I can. Maybe, David, you can contract it being Good. next to me and I can't get it again. This is unbelievable. There's, there's, no, stopping, there's no stopping. The you FDA is going to. I know that. Yeah, that uh, no, I no. just want the FDA to come out and say, you know what, we're. We're around. We're doing things. That'd be good. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, speaking of doing things, let's move on to Tesla for a minute, guys, because it is up over 3% this morning. Uh, uh, Tesla's Musk, of course, may be done selling stock. He has sold an awful lot. Of course, he continues that war of words with uh, Senator Warren. But uh, he said or quoted as saying he sold enough stock to reach his plan, um, selling, what, another 583,000 shares uh, yesterday. And so he's at 13 and a half million shares having been sold. Stocks come off about, let's call it 180, million, 180 billion in market cap or yeah. so from its high, Jim. Uh, um, you know, unclear whether all that selling's pressured it, but it, it certainly has coincided with the decline overall in the stock, still up 37% for the year. Right, let's make it a comeback here. Did Iger talk about Musk? No, we did not talk about Elon Musk. Because, remember, he was the uh, time person of the year. And I continue to think that whatever he does is still more exciting to people in this country. And Elizabeth Warren, I don't know. I mean, kind of having she has COVID, too. I hope she gets better fast. Carl, back to you. 
Well, he did talk about um, Senator Warren uh, to the Babylon Bee and sort of defended his use of the term Senator Karen. Take a listen. You were pretty mean to uh, Senator Warren, though, on Twitter recently. <laughs> you slammed her, man. Uh, please don't call the manager on me, Senator Karen. <laughs> she struck first, Yeah. obviously. Right. Yes, she did. She called me a freeloader. Yeah. Um, and a grifter who doesn't pay taxes, basically. Um, and I'm literally paying the most tax that any individual in history has ever paid this year, <laughs> ever. Uh, and she doesn't pay taxes. <laughs> basically at all. And her, tax, and her salary is paid for by the taxpayer, like me. Uh, Babylon Bay taking a departure from their normal satire. Guys, he also um, took a moment to slam California, said it was once the land of opportunity, now the land, Jim, of over-regulation, over-litigation, and over-taxation. Well, look, it's easy to move. That's what we're learning. Uh, Texas and Florida have been, Texas, Florida, and Tennessee, gigantic winners. Not talked around enough because I think you really can't go anywhere to see it. But I, I am stunned at how strong Texas is. Uh, David, is it not a possibility that Silicon Valley could one day just literally become Silicon Nation? It's, we don't need to be anywhere, David. We can be anywhere we want. Uh, no, you're right. We can be in our pajamas. Uh, clearly, we right? know that we can be anywhere we want, and eventually we'll all be in the metaverse or the omniverse, um, being whoever we want, apparently, uh, whether it be work or play. So, yeah, your point's a good one, and there is no doubt we also, well, many people may have seen the numbers in terms of the, the lack of additional population overall in the country. That got the headlines. But when you do look, as you just pointed out, Jim, at where people are moving, Texas and Florida, we kind of know that anecdotally as well. We've all seen people, certainly, I think more New Yorkers moving to Florida. It seems more Californians moving to Texas, right. Austin. You know, I call people now who are in Austin. I didn't do that that long ago. There weren't people that I knew who were sources, whether they're whatever they might be running, you know, um, investment funds or, or companies. They're there now. Uh, and so, yeah, there's no doubt that, that those states have been the beneficiaries of a lower tax regime uh, and a number of other significant regulatory obstacles that don't exist there that do in some of these other states. David, we have a, uh, a declining, uh, we have declining birth rate. Uh, we are finding, obviously, that we're not living as long enough in this, this country. People are moving to different places. Is there any wonder why we don't have this? We have this incredible uh, problem with employment. Uh, we have no immigration. To speak of, we're like Italy, and, and uh, I'm not kidding. That is the Italian pattern, uh, and it's just not a good one for. A, it's it means that we're not a growth country. A lot of our companies, David, particularly like the General Millses of the world, they need us to grow. We are not a growth country anymore. I'll, Big I'll, change, David. Yeah, no, I'll listen. I'd take it if if we had tomatoes that tasted like they do in Italy, Carl. Then it'd be all worth it. But, you know, if you can't get that, then yeah, what's the I, point? I, I wish the Fed, that. maybe the yeah. Fed can do something about that, mm -hmm. uh, David. Uh, Jim, you mentioned cyclicals earlier. Uh, Caterpillar, dis, uh, Caterpillar does get upgraded over at Bernstein today uh, out to outperform. They say concerns about this uh, machine upgrade cycle uh, ending are premature. And they point out that a lot of these names tend to do well in the early stages of rate hikes. Yeah, look, I think Caterpillar just uh, Stephanie Link's been pushing Caterpillar uh, on the judges show. I've got to tell you, this stock, it, it, it's levered oil and oil's up. People do think that China can make a comeback. It's not as much China as people realize. But holy cow, we get road building. 
Are we at infrastructure? Caterpillar's the one. So I thought this call was was really good, uh, especially, you know, this guy Jim Umpleby, who runs it, he's terrific. Let's get him on the show. I mean, I'm not kidding. He really has a new Caterpillar, the returning capital. They're, they're kind of like the oil companies, David. They're no longer reckless. Caterpillar's not reckless. It's really well run. I think that's great, David. It's too cheap. Okay. Yeah, it's funny when you talk about reckless, but then I immediately hear your constant refrain about Ford in terms of uh, pulling out of markets where the company was actually always losing money and that not being a particularly good strategy. As we end the year here, looking at Ford, obviously all the automakers are actually up this morning, although, again, Tesla by far the most, given some of the news there around Mr. Musk's perhaps cessation of sales. But Ford ending the year as well pretty strong, Jim. Yeah, and it's just beginning for them. They're going to have an unbelievable quarter, I think, in part because, as you said, they don't make cars uh, anymore where they're losing. I do think that they had to stop taking reservations, I know, from my investing club uh, for the F-150, yet they're still advertising uh, around the clock on this new five-day-a-weekend football season. Uh, I think Ford is a very inexpensive stock. It's got a good yield now. uh, And I think that Jim Farley is just a, a, a cut above he, he's rather remarkable. He wants to take this thing dramatically higher. He is willing this higher, Dave. He's willing it. And I think he's going to succeed. This one's not done. It's going higher. A pretty good note out of um, uh, Adam Jonas this morning, or last night, Jim, looking at Ford's market cap, which is now roughly at parity uh, with GM, even though Ford trades at a three-turn PE multiple premium to GM. And Adam asks, what is the market seeing about either GM's exposure to China or their overall profit model uh, relative to F? Yeah, death, uh, death of a salesman. He is a sell on Ford, for heaven's sake. But I think people don't really look. There are there are CEOs who come in and they basically shake up everything. And they are car people like Farley's probably going to race this weekend. He loves to race. But I mean, I mentioned to him uh, that I am trying to find the VIN number of my 19, my mom's 1965 Mustang. And he's like on the case for that. I mean, there isn't anything this guy isn't on the case for. This Mustang is this incredible, incredible motivator. Uh, Carl, the, the, the Mach, the Mach uh, E has got to be maybe the most successful car of the year. They want to get to 3000 a month. They could get the chips. They make money on every car. Again, he doesn't make money on cars or trucks. Uh, then he just closes it. F-150, lighten your house up. I don't know. This, he's, this is going to be a company that is going to have a Salesforce orientation. They're going to actually integrate Salesforce, a truck in the cloud. And yet people just act as if it's just um, a, a car company. It is so not a car company. F-150, <laughs> Uh, bestseller, Carl. I think this thing's got much more to go. It's resting before its next move. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that later on. I do want to get you on Apple really quick, Jim. It's not moving much, but City does go to 200, awfully close to some street high levels. We're going to talk to Jim Suva uh, later on this morning. And I know Katie Hewitt has Suva? a note on IT hardware, which I, we, I think we got Suva later today yeah, in the 10. That's a big, big booking. His piece is excellent this morning. Yes, Katie Ubery has an amazing piece today about shortened times. She's talking about gigantic numbers in China. 
So, Carl, this stock, which is stalled right now, own it, don't trade it. I think when you get Suva and you try to pin Suva down, he's talking about augmented reality. That's not any of the uh, forecasts that I'm I'm using. I think Suva's got a bead on this thing uh, that I haven't seen in a long time. So, Carl, you got to really you got to grow on augmented reality because I think that's the key to 2022 numbers. All right. Bit of a mixed bag this morning, guys, in terms of sectors. He got the VIX back a little bit below 21. Uh, we'll watch all of that. Let's get to Bob Bassani this morning as well. Hey, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Uh, happy Wednesday, everybody. About even on the advanced decline line. And Carl's right. Uh, kind of a wishy-washy open. The bull narrative, I think, is still a bit in control. If take a look at the sectors. Um, we've got about even on the advanced decline line. As I mentioned, consumer discretionary strong. Tesla's had a good open. That really helps. Uh, energy is a, a little bit on the weak side. Banks a little bit. Healthcare. Uh, semis are a little weaker, but that, remember, that's a day after the Micron earnings that were really strong yesterday. So maybe a little bit of a give back today. Uh, consumer staples, uh, as you can see, fractionally to the downside. So the bull narrative, you remember we have this sacred Santa Claus rally, which starts next week. It's the last five days of the year, the first two of the new year. And the narrative for the bulls is pretty simple here. Uh, Omicron is contagious, but not as dangerous as prior variants. Uh, There isn't going to be a mass shutdown. That's the key to the whole bull narrative. Because if you have no mass shutdowns, you still then have that bottleneck and supply chain issue easing in the first half of 2022. That's the key because that will make the Fed less aggressive on inflation. Again, this is the bull narrative. This is the way they're hoping hoping everything is going to go. So outside of that, the consumer is going to remain strong and earnings are going to be really strong as well. So we'll see if this kind of uh, narrative uh, prevails. For the moment, I think it's still pretty intact. Now, one of the last pieces of data we're going to get tomorrow, and we'll see if the bull narrative helps this or not, is the PCE data, uh, which, of course, uh, is uh, is inflation data that the Fed prefers here. The month over month is expectations for a gain of 0.4%. You can see these month over month expectations. They've just been all over the place uh, this year. But if we get a flattish number in line or a little bit below that, uh, the bulls are going to try to say, ah, this is it. See, this is peak inflation. This is what they were talking about. Uh, And things will moderate in the first half of 2022. We'll see. But that's going to be for tomorrow. For the Santa Claus rally, obviously, the bulls love this. Uh, it's the tendency to go up about 1.4% in the final five days in the first two months, first two days of the year. Uh, the old record high, uh, 47.12 for the S&P 500. So we need to go up a lot, 50 or 60 points. That seems to be quite a stretch uh, to, get, um, to get to a new high uh, with these kinds of uh, uncertainties that are out there. But it's not out of the question. But still, you can see what's happening here. Very, very choppy and a lot of confusion, a real battleground going on. If you want to see the battleground, just take a look at what we call factors uh, for the market. Since Powell started getting aggressive on November 30th, there's very clear trends here. Uh, Low volatility stocks are doing very well. What's that? Well, it's defensive stuff. It's consumer staples and utilities, things like that. They're doing very well. Value's doing very well. What's that? Well, it tends to be energy stocks and bank stocks are doing very well. What's slightly, and and the S&P is flattish. What's doing less well? Uh, high beta, that tends to be technology stocks, uh, a few, a very few uh, energy stocks uh, and uh, growth stocks, which tend to be tech as well, also are a bit on the weak side. So you can see where things are, are sort of shaking out here. Uh, and so far, that's generally been the playbook. Finally, I just want to mention uh, Tesla and what's going on here. Uh, Mr. Musk announced that he's finished selling. I, I just want to note that Tesla is not exactly a buyback monster. 
Shares of Tesla outstanding have been going up since they were went public in 2010. They started around 466 million shares. Now there's over a billion shares outstanding for Tesla. So their share count has been going up year after year um, in, oppos in opposition to some companies, companies where the share count has been going uh, down. This has been a, a phenomenon this year. We have record buybacks of the S&P in general, not Tesla, but record buybacks. And Carl, uh, what we're seeing is not a lot of share count reduction because executives are getting a lot of options on the back end. So that's something we need to pay attention to in 2022. Nice to hear about record buybacks. But what I want to hear about is actual share count reduction. If they're just giving options on the back end, uh, uh, that's not going to be helpful to shareholders at all. Carl, back to you. All right, Bob. We'll see you in a bit. Uh, Bob Pisani. Take a break here as we do. Uh, let's uh, get a look at the bond report, see how Treasuries are faring today. Uh, uh, got the two-year up to 66 basis points, but the rest of the curve a little bit lower. Ten-year right around 1458. Uh, GDP, if you missed it, final for the Q, uh, Q3 was up 2-3. We were expecting 2-1. Uh, and, of course, a lot of the Fed speak will return next week. We'll see how much of that uh, commentary echoes what Powell said a few days ago. We're back in a moment. Quick reminder, you can get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Just sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash investing club. Or as always, use the QR code on your screen. It takes you right there. We'll be right back. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Yeah, we haven't mentioned paychecks at all today, and that's the small and medium-sized, uh, really the payroll processor for many of them. And look at the numbers. I mean, this thing was extraordinary. It was much better than expected. Talk about a feel-good story. The number of businesses that are opening, the number of businesses that are expanding. It's remarkable. Profits are great. And I think paychecks is emblematic of that, which is why I'm so glad to have Marty Musi on tonight and Mad Money. Wow. I mean, people keep underestimating this company, underestimating the country. Uh, business formation is extraordinary. Remember, they also do a lot of the, say, the Etsy businesses that we know are empowering a lot of people at home. Dr. Faust is a guy who's been an incredible. Uh, he and Dr. Mino had on last night. Uh, Dr. Faust is an emergency room doctor up at Harvard Med, and he also is a public policy guy. Uh, he's been uh, got a great thesis about what we have to do to make it so Omicron <clears throat> doesn't jam up all our hospitals. Very bullish situation. Yeah. Hey, finally, Jim, pretty good run game uh, for your Eagles last night. Best in show. Look, we are in the hunt. If we win out, <laughs> then you and I are going. We're going. It's uh, it's Los Angeles. <laughs> yes, we going. are. <laughs> Jim, we'll see you tonight. Uh, Mad Money, of course, 6 p.m. Thank you, uh, guys. Eastern time Thank you. with Jim Cramer. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.